0: Hello there. You're listening to The Box Office Show. I'm Ryan Hill.
1: And I'm Dylan Johnson. As usual, we're going to be talking about the box office numbers from last weekend and our box office predictions for this upcoming weekend.
0: We'll also be doing a discussion on anime and all things related to that form of storytelling. And we'll also be talking in particular about Attack on Titan and My Hero Academia since they just had respectively finales and premieres
1: this past weekend. And to help us do that, we have my good friend and a special anime-loving guest, Fernando Andrade. Hey, Fernando.
2: Hello, guys. Thank you for
1: having me. Of course. Always. No, we don't say let's get into it as much as we used to when we were doing the radio show, but I like to make fun of it every once in a while. <laughs> let's yeah. get into it.
0: You always say it, and I'm
1: just like, do I, did we really say it
0: that much? I guess we did, I don't know.
1: It was just written into the script so many times. There's it, no way got it was written down. It, it had was to be written ad- into but... the script. It said, let's get into it. Because that was back when we used to script everything, remember? No, no, no.
0: This had to be, because when you were making fun of it, though, it was more recent. It wasn't like the very beginning beginning and no we wouldn't have scripted that in like when we wrote it all out in the very very early shows i
1: just, we just I remember we had senses i just remember we did a show and then we were like there's not enough transition between our topics we got to come up with like a transitional phrase and then one of us was like let's get into it and then it was just overused <laughs> In, in, to an intense amount. I don't think it was ever
0: a conscious decision. I don't think we were ever like, you know what? We need more of transitions.
1: I remember having a conversation about including transitions because it was well, like it was choppy when we were doing the radio show. I I, I I, I I it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Part.
0: I feel like we've gotten better. At it. Who knows? But all right. Let's get into the news <laughs> for this past weekend. Black Adam has its release date. July 29th, 2022. Hot off the heels of the Snyder Cut. Warner Brothers is throwing a whole bunch of info out there about their DC movies. Pierce Brosnan will be featured as Dr. Fate. And can we confirm that that's his name and I didn't have another stroke? Pierce
1: Brosnan is indeed his
0: name. Okay, thank God. The Rock. Can't mess that up. He, of course, is starring as Black Adam and he really wants this movie to succeed. That man is doing a one-man Marketing campaign for it, so hopefully it will end up doing well because we do want DC to succeed.
1: He just really wants to be a superhero. He's trying so hard. (laughs) I
0: mean, he made it happen. He probably he was just like, you know what, I want to be Black Adam, and Warner Brothers said, oh my god, thank you, we'll do whatever you want, and now they're doing whatever he wants, and that includes the Justice Society of America, which will be in that film. I don't. That seems like they're packing a lot into it. Hopefully it won't be overstuffed, but I don't know. I trust The Rock. He has good sensibilities when it comes to films. I mean, all his blockbusters end up doing well, so this will probably be another in his line of successes.
1: I mean, we'll see. I'm gonna, I'm still a little skeptical, a little more skeptical than
0: you. Oh, I am too. I mean, I'm just saying, like, I am personally skeptical, but in the end, it does seem like Rock always comes out on top, so we shall see, but... I am excited for it, but tentatively so.
1: I guess yeah.
2: so. Yeah, I would uh, I would agree, especially the one thing that would kind of suck is this movie, like The Rock was announced as Black Adam, like, what, seven years ago? It feels like he's been Black Adam for, like, a long time. So they have, like,
1: have had a long time to work on this movie, so it better be at least decent. Yeah, he's a significant time to prepare for this role. He better be getting even more buff than usual. <laughs> It's not possible. We gotta see a new step up. You need to see him just purely even more shredded than usual. He becomes strictly veins. That's Just all he is now. <laughs> Just veins and muscles just bulging out of his body. You can't even see his face. It's just muscles all over his face. Speaking of DC properties, the Suicide Squad by James Gunn just had their first trailer dropped. And it looks good to me. I think it looks cool. It's got Starro. Starro the Conqueror is the main villain. Sylvester Stallone as King Shark, which I think is incredible. I think it looks like it's fun. I think it looks better than the original. Yeah, I... well, not
0: a high bar to cross. Dylan, I'm saddened that you did not use my setup of Sylvester Shark alone. Very disappointed. I was
1: was leaving that for you.
0: Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, you were taking it away, so I was like...
1: I didn't want to steal your creative thunder, Ryan. That's okay.
0: I'm sure... Other people came up with that way quicker, but it does seem like King Shark is a beloved figure in the new Suicide Squad that James Gunn is doing. Seems like he got that'll be the Groot of this movie, <laughs> um, which I am on board for. For me, the trailer as a whole, I wasn't all about it. I mean, i I get like parts of the vibe they're going for in the comedy they're using. I'm like, okay, I can get behind this. Other parts, I was like, "Mm, I'm not entirely sold on it yet. But I'm wondering if in the full form, it'll be much better. But for now, like with Black Adam, I am tentatively excited for it.
1: I mean, it seems like James Gunn's trying to do the whole same comedy chemistry he did with Guardians of the Galaxy when it comes to their banter and stuff. And I don't know how well it's going to work with the this particular group of actors working together because I haven't seen the whole thing. But, I mean, it looks, right. it looks good enough that I can watch the whole thing and be satisfied.
2: Yeah, I think uh, the main point about the comedy was kind of where I could see this movie being a miss for me, um, especially because I agree with what you're saying, Dylan, with the whole Guardians banter. But with this being like rated R, um, it'll be interesting to see how, like, how he like escalates his comedy for that kind of audience, you know? Um, But yeah, but other than that, the trailer looks visually a lot better than everything that was in David Ayer's version of Guardians uh, or of Suicide Squad. Um, And yeah, King Shark was the best part about it. (laughs) I'm very excited for King Shark. And a big turn from
0: that, the tone of the Suicide Squad, we have a sequel to the movie Enchanted, which I think came out in like 2007 or something. we were A young. long time ago. Uh, I do remember movie. seeing it in theaters though. And I enjoyed it. But I had Amy Adams back before she. Became popularized. And recognized as the great actor she is. And the sequel they're doing. Disenchanted. Which will be on Disney Plus. I'm not sure if that's. Only going to be Disney Plus. But it seems like it is. That's how they're marketing it. Um, it will have. Amy Adams reprising her role, and also James Marsden, Edina Menzel, or as John Travolta knows her, Adele (laughs) Dezim, whatever that was. Um, They will be reprising their roles, as will Patrick Dempsey. So that's the core for they're coming back, which is amazing that, what, 13, 14 years after, they're now hitting us with a sequel.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm really excited. I love the original Enchanted. I love Amy Adams. I just watched uh, the Muppets movie that she was in with Jason Segel. She's fantastic. Ah, I'm so excited for Enchanted. I love Amy Adams. Yeah, she is phenomenal. Uh,
2: I don't. I don't have like. I remember watching the original Enchanted, but I don't have like super like fond, like, like memories of it. But I remember thinking like, wow, Amy Adams sings really
1: well. So I hope the music at least bangs in the in the sequel. I bet it will. Disney always goes all out with their music. I've never That's... been let down by, by music from Disney, at least recently. That's true. That is.
0: And I'm sure they'll definitely be giving Adina Menzel a big, she'll get a big old mm, song. True, yeah. Maybe she'll do a duet with Amy Adams. Who knows? Cool. Yeah, that seems like, that is something to look forward to. Nice, wholesome
1: film on the radar. Yep. And now for our box office breakdown for the last weekend, March 26th weekend. Uh, coming into the top, which was my prediction, is <laughs> Nobody with 6.7 million. I called it, Ryan. I called it. I knew it could do it. What do you think, Ryan?
0: Did you say six 6 million?
1: I said like close to seven.
0: Close to seven, yeah. Yeah. Hey, I mean, good for Bob Odenkirk, not yes. Ben Odenkirk. Um, good for him. We like to see the films that he is in prosper. Again, I don't know if, like, if this isn't in COVID times, if it would do extremely well or not. Because um, this happened to Dethrone Ryan the Last Dragon, which I believe is on fourth weekend now mm-hmm. so good that it was able to do that and actually conquer the box office on the weekend it's released we'll see if it has a strong hold and is able to get its money I imagine it's probably not too big of a budget um, so between this and when it does go to premium video on demand it seems like it will end up being successful for the studio which in terms of covid times it's a lot harder to gauge that for different movies mm-hmm. so it's good that this one seems to have very definitively it will be a success for the
1: filmmakers so go yeah. for that. and after nobody was ray and the last dragon which dropped from 5.2 million the weekend before to 3.5 million for this last weekend and then Tom and Jerry, which also dropped from 3.8 to 2.5. Still strong holds for both of these. Really strong for Tom and Jerry. Very impressive. Like, yeah, I'll never stop gloating about how much money Tom and Jerry is making right now. As In compared spite to of how. Your hatred for it. It just, it, even if this wasn't like quarantine times, Tom and Jerry should not be making this much money. <laughs> I am blown away. By the hold it has in our top five, and how much it still m- continues to make every weekend—two and a half million for Tom and Jerry for what is this? It's thirteenth weekend. No, no. What? No. There's what no weekend way. is this?
0: It's not. No, there's no. It's thirteenth. It's probably around six or five. I'm because I believe it was the tail end of February, right when it got released. God, I don't, I don't remember. Let
1: me. Look so it is scripts. impressive
0: that it's still having these strongholds because it dropped what thirty three ish percent from last week. Um, mm-hmm. But with crudes, I mean that really went on a run for thirteen weeks, right? That was in the top five for that long. Yeah, I remember that. So it is something with these animated films are holding on. It'll be interesting to see if nobody will somehow fall behind the pack of these two uh, animated films because Chaos Walking, of course, never. Surpassed Raya and then got fell behind Tom and Jerry and remains Mm -hmm. there with its 1.1 million.
1: And then after that, the Benedict Cumberbatch movie, The Courier, with 1 million. Which Chaos Walking it was above Chaos Walking last week and now Chaos Walking has surpassed it. So I guess the Tom Holland fans are still beating out the Benedict Cumberbatch fans at the box office. Not too surprising. Nope. And our box office predictions for this upcoming weekend. Of course, the behemoth, Godzilla versus Kong. Now you put here, you predict one hundred and twenty-one million opening worldwide, right? Absolutely not. That's what it did get this past weekend when it opened
0: worldwide. It opened in certain markets, China included. I think got seventy million there specifically, but its total haul across overseas markets this past weekend was one hundred twenty-one point eight million, which is good that is not an opening at least for the american films because china they've been their own box office has been booming with chinese films Mm. um but we haven't seen something like that for an american release so this does seem like things are turning around right we're getting cautiously optimistic and so i will once again predict domestically when it releases It releases Wednesday, March thirty first. But this weekend, we'll see if that like dampens how much it'll get over the three days that actually count for the weekend. But I'm hoping for the twenty million barrier to be broken. I want to see it happen, and I think Godzilla and Kong will smash right through it.
1: Okay, so are you saying that Kong already made one hundred twenty one million? Could you communicate? What? Yes, it
0: will. Dylan, yes. Sometimes uh-huh. films open overseas Okay. before they open in America.
1: Okay, when did they open overseas? I when know did it's God's blasphemous
0: to our American sensibilities,
1: bastards, foreign. It's bastards. been it's been
0: a weird release date, I think, because uh-huh. some of them it's been out for over a week, um, and then this past weekend right the twenty six. it did open in a lot of markets and then this upcoming weekend it'll open in right america and some more and mm-hmm. then i think the week after that it has another one it's one of these rolling um releases that they do okay so I yeah that's why it does it already has 121.8 mil which may fuel the buzz for people to actually go out to see godzilla versus kong here in the mm-hmm. states
1: I think it'll break 20 million domestically, but I don't think it's going to exceed 30, 35 million just because it's also being released on Warner Bros. for no additional cost or on HBO Max for no additional cost. Right. So there's plenty of people who are just going to stay home and watch it that way. But I know there's tons of people who go to the theaters because they want to experience this uh, big screen, awesome sound. They want all that experience with Godzilla versus Kong. So I think it'll be between 20 and 35 million. Right.
0: And who are some of those people that want to experience it in theater? Uh,
1: Me. I'm going tomorrow. (laughs) Very excited.
0: Crazy. We were just talking. We were like, you were like, you know, it seems like Black Widow. That'll be the one that brings me out in July. And now here you are, Godzilla versus
1: Kong. Yeah. My friend rented a theater for his birthday tomorrow. So it'll just be people I know in the theater. So I think that's safe enough for me to wear a mask and be okay. So I'm going to go tomorrow we we'll gonna watch Godzilla versus Kong, and the next week we're gonna talk about it.
0: That is very true. I will have to see, because uh, I mean, that's those are the exact type of popcorn flicks you need to see in the theaters—the widescreen, the surround sound, all mm-hmm. that. And my right. my room in my TV certainly would not compare. So I I'll mean- have to
1: see whether I'll go for the theaters or not. If you yeah. get enough people, Ryan, I'll rent another theater this weekend and go again. It's probably going to be like, what, at Regal or AMC? It's going to be like 100 bucks. Maybe. Who knows? We can we'll we we'll see. Yeah, we'll figure it out. But one
0: way or another, I will get to
1: see my Godzilla vs. Kong. Indeed. All right, now it's time for our main discussion about anime, which is the whole reason we brought our great friend Fernando here, because he loves anime so much. Hello, hello. All right. Now, for you, Fernando, we have some questions since you're our resident anime expert. I haven't watched too much anime. I know Ryan hasn't watched too much anime. So, how did you first get into anime? Yeah. So,
2: before I answer that question, I just want to preface by saying I also don't consider myself an anime expert, is really? <laughs> because yeah, because I mean I haven't I've haven't even been watching for like over a year. Um, has been like mm, seven months since I've started mm-hmm. really watching. But I've seen a a decent amount in the seven months. So I've seen, you know, but I'm still learning myself. I'm still, you know, watching different kinds of genres and stuff. Um, But I feel like I've tackled every genre. Mm -hmm. Um, So I first started getting into it because of my sister, actually. Um, She was watching anime before I did. And then during quarantine, she was like, oh, you should give it a shot. And I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. And then I just ended up falling in love with it. Um, And I haven't looked back since. I've low-key watched more anime than movies over quarantine. <laughs> no, I, I know. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then uh, what I love about it so much is it's just so... I mean, I've always loved animation on its own. Like growing up watching Western animation like Disney. Um, like the Disney movies and stuff like that. And obviously like cartoons as a kid. Um, but I also like watched anime growing up. I just wasn't, like, aware it was anime. So, like, Pokemon Mm -hmm. and Yu-Gi-Oh were, like, big staples of my childhood. Um, And I really appreciate how different it is from Western animation in terms of the storytelling with, like, building on character and, like, having world building and settings, whereas most Western animation is just, like, very circular. So it's, like, you know, Simpsons or, like, stuff like that. It's just, like, every episode's its own, like, funny thing, you Mm -hmm. know? our own little story but there's no a lot of times there's not real progression Mm -hmm. throughout a a cartoon like that
1: yeah and uh so you've only been watching for like seven months now what what shows have you watched in that time
2: uh so i've seen uh over 20 around like yeah over 20 shows um and so some, some of the ones I've seen in terms of, like, action in, I've seen, like, Demon Slayer, My Hero, which we're going to talk about. Um, Hunter Hunter, which is a pretty popular one. Um, I've seen sports anime. So Haiku, which is mm-hmm. about volleyball, is pretty popular. Um, I've seen a few, like, slice-of-life romance animes. Um, so there's one called Bunny Girl Senpai, which is, like, blowing up on TikTok because of the, the music mm-hmm. from that show. Um uh, what else? What else? And I've seen um, Neon Genesis, which is one of like the the iconic uh, older anime, or I say older, it's from like the the nineties. Um, but it's pretty iconic. Um, and I think that's this is some of the shows that I really like. And what would you
0: say are your top three favorite anime series that you've seen so far?
2: It's it's a it's definitely tough, tough ranking them. But overall, I would say Demon Slayer, because it was like the, the one that got me hooked. Um, and I've rewatched it since, and I, I definitely love that one a lot. Uh, Haiku, which is the volleyball one. And then probably um, a more recent one that I watched called ReZero. All right.
1: It's and just to cover our bases, Ryan, which animes have you seen?
0: I... So, yeah, it's also weird, because... I feel like a lot of us did watch the Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh! series as a kid. Mm-hmm. Never registered as anime. But my story is funny. I love Dragon Ball Z.
1: Yeah.
0: And as a kid growing up, I mean, that was my jam. I would watch that like crazy. My first, The first story I ever wrote was essentially a fan fiction based off of Dragon Ball Z. Oh, wow. Uh, where I had my mommy type it up on the computer <laughs> and I, when I printed it out, I did these horrible drawings because I suck as an artist. I really cannot draw for anything. but I drew, You should have had
1: Mason draw him.
0: I know, that's what I'm saying. I drew the decapitated head of Broly <laughs> after their vicious fight. Hey. Um, but anyway, like that, I just say that to point to the significance it had. I mean, that was my jam. I'd still have the PS2 games, Dragon Ball Z, Budokai, kaichi in my some drawer somewhere, even though my PS2 doesn't even work. I still hold on to that. Which, by the way, the soundtrack is Fuego. I'm pretty sure all of it was plagiarized from other songs. But, (laughs) hey, if you're going to steal, at least make it good. And that composer did do that. So anyway, so I loved Dragon Ball Z. Naruto also was something very early on. Like the first arc, when they were actually in the forest and doing things... I remember watching that. And then at some point after the dude with the toad showed up, the white hair, whatnot, that's when I sort of lost it. And then it Mm -hmm. went on for years and years. Um, But I initially watched those two. And then after that, sort of fell out. Um, Still love Dragon Z, Still amazing. But didn't really get into any of the other ones. And I think that's just because, like, those were on Cartoon Network, right? The Toonami stuff.
1: Yeah. And...
0: When Crunchyroll and these other things started coming out, I didn't really get into that because my sensibilities were already shifted more towards, I don't know, just like TV shows and movies that were live action and that were more akin to what I wanted to get into with my personal storytelling. Yeah. Um, But now I've come back around my friend Brandon, who shares my last name. Unrelated, though. (laughs) Mm-hmm. We, he was talking about, I mean, he's been trying to get me to watch anime forever, and we were talking about what would be a good show to introduce me. And Attack on Titan is one that I always heard about. It got hyped up like crazy back when the anime first released. And that was one of the ones that had a big crossover appeal to Western audiences. I never got into it back then, but I was like, oh, I guess that that sounds cool. The name also, Attack on Titan, definitely not grammatically correct, but it sounds wicked cool. (laughs) So I was like, you know what? I've heard about a lot about that. I'll watch that. So that is essentially the ones I watched. And Mason, though, he did get me to watch Sword Art Online. I forget why we ended up deciding to do that, but we did go through a phase where we watched that. Um, and if he's listening, Asuna <laughs> Hatata.
1: How far? Okay. How far into Attack on Titan are you? i am completed all right i good. have finished we fernando sure. and
0: i were talking about it beforehand but i tried to arrange it to where well so it's being billed as the final season season four what they have right now mm-hmm. and i was trying to do it to where i would binge watch all of it in my own personal way which is not binging like crazy I yeah have a measured binge watch um but certainly faster pace than. The real people who are watching it. Because it came out in 2013. So they've been waiting forever for this stuff. Um, So I was like. I don't want to do that. I want to time it perfectly to where. I will line it up. The final episode. I will catch up right then and there. And then watch it. Turns out. They bamboozled us. There's a whole second part to the season coming. This winter. So now I have to wait. A grueling few months maybe over over half a year to man. get to it man you hate it'll it be
1: worth the wait and we'll talk about that but this yeah the, those are the animes i've seen this is like when you try to watch friends last year you're trying oh my to catch God. up and then they pulled it from <laughs> netflix when you're on the last season that happens too often. It happened with West Wing, too. It was on it's Netflix. because you don't watch
2: it quick <laughs> enough,
0: Ryan. I know. Somehow Netflix always times it when I'm like, all right, I'm going to watch this series. They're like, okay, Ryan's it parceling
1: it out. Okay, we can take it before he finishes. <laughs> and then it always goes to HBO Max. So I'm like, oh. Hilarious. Anyway, my my anime story is a little different than you guys. I was never into uh, any of the stuff, any of the Western audience animes, like uh, Pokemon or Dragon Ball Z or Naruto. So I didn't really experience anime until I was I guess this past year past two years because my girlfriend really likes anime. And so we watched the first two seasons of a show called Food Wars together and we need to finish that show because it's amazing. And then I stopped for a long time and then I decided to get back into it recently and I've been watching My Hero Academia now and I'm almost done with season two and oof. It is good. I'm trying to I'm trying to finish it as soon as I can so that I can watch the new episodes as they come out with Fernando and Spencer, my roommates. Yes. And oh, Do it. I need to I need to catch up because there's what four mm-hmm. seasons out right now and they're releasing season. Five yeah. Yeah. Right now? OK, so I got yeah. oh, I got a lot to watch, but I will get there and then we'll watch it together. But that's my anime story.
0: Fantastic. And so, it'd be interesting to talk about, because we all are film majors, mm-hmm. and we are all the Western audience, right? So, mm-hmm. I was I thought it'd be interesting to see how anime storytelling differs from just Western storytelling and then Western animation in general. Because as I was watching Attack on Titan, I was picking up on some of these differences where... I don't know, because i've just been so inundated lately with a lot of i mean peak western storytelling things like west wing been mm-hmm. watching breaking bad things like that i had a whole bunch of hitchcock films in barry's american film artist class so i was picking up on these differences there um and so i was wondering if y'all had had a similar experience where you were sort of consciously noting these these differences or preferences that it seems animes choose to do with their stories that our television series and
1: films tend not to do? Well, what I've experienced in the few animes that I've seen so far is basically it's a lot of linear storytelling. It's a lot of serialized storytelling compared to episodic, storytelling in a lot of western television especially until recently it had always been episodic until like the 90s uh apart from like soap operas up until the 90s it was mostly episodic and so anime was like let's for me it was like interesting to see how a storyline and arcs can progress throughout a season like in my hero uh season two the first half which i'm still on there was a whole season arc of tournament like they were doing a tournament which i guess fernando can talk more about but <laughs> it's apparently a trope in anime yeah there's a lot of a lot of high schools and a lot of tournaments within the high schools which i've experienced in the two animes i've watched uh my hero and food wars yeah uh it's interesting that,
2: that you you caught on that pretty quick um but yeah like uh, i mentioned that briefly comparing to like other animated shows like Family Guy or, like, The Simpsons, uh, which tend to be episodic. Um, Mm -hmm. And definitely when I started watching anime seriously, it was kind of jarring for me to, like, see all the things that typically would be considered, like, bad forms of storytelling in, like, Western or, like, in film when it comes to, like, explaining in detail, like, everything a character is thinking Mm -hmm. through, like, voiceover. (laughs) Right? Because a lot of times... You know, you want to have it be like, um, like subtext or like, you know, the, so the audience have it to where the audience like has to figure it out for themselves, you know, but a lot of times in anime, they just tell you things outright, what the characters are feeling or what's, you know, going through their head. So it was a little bit jarring for me at the beginning. Um, A lot of internal monologuing um, and a lot of, uh. uh i was gonna say slow motion but uh not really slow motion but um th- let's just say some some scenes could like take a while but in reality they're like a split second so a mm-hmm. lot of that stuff happens <laughs> yeah um so it's definitely a, a very different form of storytelling and they use a lot of flashbacks as like anime's like number one thing like in every anime you'll see there will be flashbacks
0: mm-hmm. right yeah, just to echo those points, because in the animes I've seen, and especially in Attack on Titan, those sort of conventions of anime storytelling do pop up, because it's not just the protagonists that have those impassioned, melodramatic little internal monologues going on. It's any character, mm-hmm. which is very interesting, because again, we don't often get that specific look into the character's head. Um And certainly not put into the perspective in the shoes of the antagonists or just the random side characters. So that happens a lot. The tournament arc thing certainly is true. Mm -hmm. Dragon Ball Z (laughs) very often just becomes glorified tournaments, which is hilarious. It's a great framing device, to be honest. I mean, it has those clear stakes
2: Mm
0: -hmm. uh, and gives a lot of room for some good action. But that is funny that it's such a prominent theme throughout so many of the animes Uh, and like you mentioned there about the flashbacks that was one thing i noticed was so much like a third i mean that's a probably an overestimation (laughs) but so much of the story does get told through these flashbacks yeah even like full scenes of characters in the past doing things but then even in attack on time a lot they'll do this thing where it'll just flash back to this particular moment that happens to this character as sort of a way to reintroduce you to the key motivation that he has. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was another interesting choice. And I was wondering if that is... I was like, is that just specifically for this particular story that that happens a lot? But it seems like that does extend to many of the different animes.
1: Yeah, I've seen... A couple of episodes of Attack on Titan, just because Spencer will be watching them in the living room, and I'll just sit and watch them with him because I'm bored, and he has the TV, and so, ah, uh, I see flashbacks all the time, and I'm just trying to watch like this episode storyline just to like entertain myself in a flashback to something that I don't understand, and then that yeah. flashback, a flashback to something I don't understand. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. And, I mean, I bet it's amazing to watch, uh, having having seen it already, but the flashbacks are a lot. And I noticed that um, as a lot of Western animation start to move to streaming services and become binging material, kind of like Bojack Horseman and that sort of thing where you're supposed to watch season at a time, uh, anime is really hard to binge watch. Like It's easy because it's so entertaining, but the hard part is that, at least for My Hero Academia, like the first five minutes of every episode is just the last five minutes of the last episode. Oh, just yeah. to, just because you're like setting up what's happening next. Mm-hmm. So they're just replaying what you've just seen and watching that back to back. I can imagine weekly it's probably uh, interesting and informative and it works. But when you're binge watching episode after episode and it's just replaying the things you've already seen, it's a little hard to to watch. But if you have an interesting anime, it's it is easy to get through. Like I watched how many episodes of My Hero Academia in the first three days. I think I finished the whole first season in three days because it's just easy to get through, because it's just so entertaining. But it is hard to watch the same scenes over and over again. Mm-hmm. But
0: you're so right about that. That was the thing that would always torque me off, is I'm trying to see if I can run, because it's on Hulu, and sometimes they're the ads. Mm-hmm. So I always yeah. see if I can just let it play the first five minutes and then get to the ad break, which will include the theme. It's like, I oh, know, quit, just go to the bathroom and leave it running so that it gets to the ad, so that I'm able to come back. Mm -hmm. And actually see the show. Uh, And then sometimes... Sometimes they'll replay the very last scene from the previous episode. And other times they'll actually continue it. And I can never guess. And I'm like, oh. So I have to sit through it every time and just double check that I'm not going to miss nothing.
1: Yeah. Now, Ryan, I have a question for you. Because I know Fernando and I both watch Sub. Are you Sub or Dub? I... am...
0: Sub, if it's going to be any anime that I go into now. Dragon Ball Z, I mean, it was only offered in dub. Yeah, yeah but also, I understand that. I mean, the voice actors for those, I mean, I imagine they're more... I mean, I guess I don't know. But for me, they're so distinct and iconic, those voices. Um, so I could never imagine watching anything like that in sub. Mm-hmm. But I did watch one episode. <laughs> it was like a rough night for whatever reason. I accidentally clicked dub for one of the episodes. And it did that mm-hmm. thing where it started I already watched through the ad. And if I had to go to the other one, to the sub, I'd have to go through the ad again and it was late at night and I was like, I can't can't spend time skipping through these ads. I just need <laughs> to watch it. So I was like, okay, let me watch this dub episode. It was no offense to any of the voice actors on <laughs> Attack on Titan, dub version, I'm sure you're great. But wow, it was just it was not good. And I was wondering if that's just. Like, if that's the case for so many. Because I know that is like a debate sub versus dub. And yeah, for that one, I was like, sub all the way.
1: Yeah, from what I've heard, for dubs for modern animes, they're just really bad and really funny. (laughs) That's just what I've heard. I, I never. I always do sub whenever I'm watching anything anime. And the only time I'll ever do dub for any kind of animated content that isn't originally in English if it's a studio ghibli movie just cuz the the dubs are directed by people who work at pixar they star famous people you know and so i'm i'm interested in hearing what the famous people do except when i watched uh what was it ponyo i watched ponyo and oof As soon as Liam Neeson came on, oh no. Oh, it was rough. Oh. Yeah, I say I've
2: yet to like. I usually just watch everything sub because I I like hearing the original language it was produced in. Mm -hmm. But if I'm curious, like, I'll check out a dub and I've yet to find like a a dub that I think is better. Yeah. A lot of times they just. And it's just like the timing. Like, they try to get it as close as possible, but. I notice the timing of the like animation of, of the mouth like doesn't sync up, and it bothers me. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah.
0: All right. So, the two animes that we will discuss: Attack on Titan and My Hero Academia, and then some of the animes that we mentioned already, like for me, Dragon Z, Naruto, for you, Fernando, Demon Slayer, things like that. Food Wars does not fall into this category, I don't think. But there are these action-oriented animes featuring typically these young male protagonists bent on going on some great adventure, becoming the greatest at what they do, be it the best fighter, best ninja, best pirate, best Pokemon trainer, etc. And this falls into a category which you brought up, Fernando. Shonen anime. Am I accurate in my discussion of what seem to be the common tropes of the Shonen anime?
2: Yeah, so uh I would I would say that I think Food Wars does fall into Shonen. Um oh, snap, look at that. Yeah, I think so what most people think of think of when they think of Shonen is like more like fighting or like action based. Um but that's not necessarily all of Shonen. Shonen just like literally means young boy. So it's like anything that like, it's a young male protagonist um, doing like pretty much anything. Um, Or or it doesn't have to be like a young boy, but most of them are like teenagers or like almost like young adults. Um, But it's targeted towards that demographic of audience. Um, But usually for like the main character of Shonen, they're like, you know, very, all of them, kind of are similar right so like attack so like actually attack on titan um more and more is like kind of not considered a shonen one because like the main character isn't really like a young boy and it's also like has darker themes and like the like theming around the anime isn't like it's kind of more complex than like other like than like my hero um so attack on titan um you usually gets considered to be a shonen, and I would still, you know, I wouldn't like argue someone who calls it a shonen. Um, but there's another like genre called shien. I think it's, I could be pronouncing it wrong, um, but it's just more like uh, anime with like darker themes, or where the main character is more like ambiguous and doesn't really have like fully positive or like clear motivations, and can sometimes like, uh, what's the reading I'm looking for? like he isn't necessarily going to be victorious in the end where like most shonen like my hero and stuff like that It kind of set up for like the main character is going to like win at the end of the day basically so yeah um but overall it's just targeted towards young male audiences is basically what shonen means hmm.
1: that was that's enlightening i i didn't know the different types of anime uh based on what you said, my hero is definitely shown in yeah. with Midoriya being the young male protagonist who's trying to <laughs> be the best hero he can be. And he's mm-hmm. definitely struggling to get there, but I can, I don't see a, a world in which he loses. I feel like that would be disappointing. So he's definitely going to win at the end of my hero, whatever winning would be. Cause yeah. I, I haven't gotten that far yet, but, uh, I. I guess Attack on Titan is not in that category, Ryan. Is that surprising to you? That is not surprising. It certainly is,
0: at times, a very dark, very depressing show. Where it (laughs) seems like people coming out on top, winning, being victorious, is the least probable thing. But that's Hmm. part of the strength of Attack on Titan. It's so good. I absolutely love it. So... Attack on Titan, for the uninitiated, is about (laughs) a bunch of massive, monstrous, man-eating titans, which are just very tall. I mean, they're giants, they're naked, they're humanoids, and they terrorize this walled-off city of humans, where a hundred years ago is when they're saying that the titans came around. And so they built up these walls. These very, very tall walls that protect them from those titans. But of course, the first episode, what happens? They break through the wall. The a colossal titan, which looks just like this massive, without skin, just flesh, mean, mugging man. He straight up smashes through the wall with his leg. He just kicks it. And... Our main peeps, Eren, Mikasa, and Armin, are in. What's the city called? Shiganshina, I think it is. Could have butchered it, probably did. But that's their little home. That's their town. And where the colossal titan showed up and smashed through the wall is where they are. And then a bunch of the smaller titans. The colossal titan's like supposed to be eighty feet, right? Matches the the wall, and then the other ones, they're like 12-foot ones, 8-foot ones. They're not all as tall as the colossal one.
1: Mm. But then
0: those people start running through the town, destroying things, messing things up. It's brutal. It's bloody. It's disastrous. So that's where we start. (laughs) That's the beginning episode. So clearly that sets the tone of, is this going to be a happy-go-lucky sort of we all win in the end type of show. <laughs> Certainly, not. Certainly yeah. not. But again, it hooks you right off the bat. I mean, that is one of the best. The shot of them, it's amazing. There's like the the sound sort of drops out and you see the birds floating around as all the people are just looking up at this wall with this fleshy, skinless face looking down at them. I mean, that just... Oh. It seared into your brain, and you're like, this is crazy. This is where we're starting. And the rest of it is just immaculate. It's so beautiful. The main three that I already mentioned here, Eren, Mikasa, and Armin, great characters. They're our little trio. They're the friends who start out in childhood, and we get to see them grow up. And each of them are really well-defined. Eren is the protagonist. This dude, his entire shtick, is one of the main themes of the show which is about freedom he's always talking about we're locked up in a bird cage essentially these walls are trapping us we're just livestock this is no way to live we need to be free we need to be out of here that's that dude's mindset when he was like nine years old (laughs) so that's what he was thinking about um and that is really the fuel for him once his town gets destroyed his home now he has this massive hatred of the titans all he wants to do is destroy them that becomes his fuel is trying to become free from the titans by eradicating the titans so that's him mikasa is a really close friend of his they live in the same house but they're not siblings which i did not understand in the very first few episodes i was very confused but you it all you learn everything there's so many question marks and unknowns of the show but part of the fun is being dragged along as they finally give you those answers um, and so she is so awesome she will defend Armin and Aaron at all costs she's a crazy good fighter so her arc I mean that is essentially that um, she's the very protective friend the great fighter Armin is the starts out as the cowardly kid, gets bullied by the other people in the town. But he has his own sort of theme of he wants freedom too, but his is somewhat more pure. He just wants to go and explore the world outside the walls. He wants to see the sea. This the ocean that is talked about in some of the textbooks that they have there. That's what he wants to do. Um, But he starts out very cowardly, doesn't want to join the scouts, which are the little military unit that goes beyond the walls and tries to fight the Titans. Mm -hmm. All three of them end up joining it after their town's destroyed. Eren certainly wants to do it because he wants to take down those Titans. Mikasa does it because she wants to protect Eren at all costs. And Armin does it because he wants to be with his friends, but he also wants to see the beauty of the sea. But he has to sort of overcome his his fear and his cowardice in the process. So those are the three I mean, main characters there. And they all have those clearly well-defined character arcs. So that by itself is compelling enough, I feel like. But the themes of this show, they're amazing. The freedom one, like they talk about, is the heart of it. But they also talk about the horrors of war that these soldiers have to face, and that Aaron Mikasa, Armin, and the other cadets of the scout unit, they all have to come to terms with um, the drama of, I mean, literally facing your doom. I mean, if you lose a battle, you're getting eaten alive. And you're watching, if you happen to make it out, you're watching your friends get eaten alive while you have to flee. And the Mm -hmm. whole thing depends on the survival of humanity. That weight is on their shoulders. And understandably, a lot of the soldiers, which I thought was so interesting, is you get to see them, right? We talk about those internal monologuing. You get to see all the fear they have, all the, I mean, it's a natural human reaction, but right, not wanting to face it, being cowardly, being afraid, Of the doom that they're seeing right before them. So we get a lot of that. Which I think is very compelling. We also get a lot of ambiguity about who is your ally and who is your enemy. There's this great scene in season one. It's not a big of a spoiler. Um, They happen to capture a titan. But somehow it gets killed. The titans get killed by having their napes. The back of their necks slashed, mm-hmm. which is interesting. I'm wondering, I'm still waiting, if there's a reason for why that was the choice. Because you always see, I mean, with zombie stuff, it's always the brain, right? Go for the head. This yeah. one is go for the neck. So that's funny. But the Captured Titan got their necks lit, and one of the characters leans over to one of the other one and asks them in its very ominous tone, who do you think our enemy is? Because clearly... Somebody killed the Titan so that they can't study it. So now we're getting that intrigue of, oh, what's going on here? What is the truth of the Titans? And that is another one of the big themes. This show, oh my lord. J.J. Abrams' mystery box thing that he always talks about, Mm -hmm. which partially ruined the new sequel series of Star Wars. But did great for lost and it does great for this show where it's essentially the idea. It's more satisfying to give the audience some of the clues, some of the information while withholding the rest. Mm -hmm. So there's not enough of it to make sense. And it's that us chasing the, the remaining portion of what we need to know in order for everything to make sense. That makes it satisfying. That is all the show is man. The it's like, being, I don't know, a heroin addict, every time the To Be Continued pops up at the end when there's a cliffhanger, it's so hard not to just dive into the next episode and be like, give me more. Give me the truth. Because that's I mean, all, it is, man. all the question marks about this show. And you want to find the answers. And it slowly unravels in these these ways that layer on each other. I mean, you'll get some info. And you're like, oh, that's the reveal. That wasn't all that much. And then eight episodes later, you get the actual reveal which recontextualizes that initial one, and you're like, oh, snap, that's actually brilliant. This is one of those shows, like Game of Thrones, um, I guess more for the series itself, because we know how the final season's turned out. But in general, that show was everything connected. Everything had a purpose. Everything was so tightly wound together. That's the same thing for this. Everything is so well planned out and thoroughly set up. It's incredible.
1: That's good. What is your, who's your favorite character in the show? Just, just briefly.
0: My favorite character,
1: yeah, is a man named Erwin
0: Smith. Mm-hmm. This dude. So I was talking about earlier, right? Aaron and Armin, they had their clear motivations as characters that are sort of the bedrock for them. In season three, one of the characters do a spin on that where they mention everyone's drunk off of something, everyone is living each day because they have some sort of drive in them something that they want something they're chasing for erwin that is the truth he is all about trying to find the truth about what are the titans who are they how did they come to be what is their purpose which are the same set of questions that we as the viewers have Mm -hmm. so in that sense we immediately relate to him but also erwin smith is the commander of the scouts so he's sort of the leader he's the one That in the seasons, I mean, when Aaron ends up joining the scouts, he's under his command. And we see time and time again when they're facing the Titans and they're put in these impossible situations, it seems like there's no way to get out of it. It's always Erwin who comes up with these, he calls them gambles, these really risky off-the-wall ideas to get out of the situation and preserve the effort to save humanity to fight for humanity and so he's like that sense of him the strategic part where he's this he's a military leader that is doing everything he can in order to ensure that humanity perseveres always putting himself at risk like anytime because they talk about a lot of where other characters consider him the devil that we need because he's willing to send a bunch of people to to their death in order to support the greater effort. But Erwin is always at the front of the charge. He's always the one also putting himself on the line. And that's beautiful. That's fantastic. So, for me, the fact that we establish all he wants to do is find the truth, like, that's his selfish reason. And yet he always ends up sacrificing that in some part in order to support the overarching goal of preserving humanity he always ends up choosing the selfless route of putting himself on the line when he needs to be putting himself out there with those soldiers that he sends to their deaths to also be one of those so that's why erwin smith is
1: my guy he's so incredible now, without being too spoilerific, if you're going to sell me on the show, what are a few moments that you think were just amazing? Oh,
0: my God. Okay. 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 So, once again, like I said, it's it's like a crack addiction trying to find the truths of everything. Um, so, in that sense, I mean, for me, that just always compels me. If there's a great mystery, then I'm always going to be hooked. That, I think, is a great one because you want to find out what is all of this about and it's so much more complex than you could possibly imagine i mean the show is insane it also has this uncanny ability to create a perfect arc Mm -hmm. there's this i'm not going to tell you where exactly but in a particular season there's this arc that all it is I mean it's a culmination of everything that came before it and everything ties together beautifully you get the answers you crave you get that action that you want to see and it's one of those things where we talk about a lot we're fusing the character arcs with the plot line mm-hmm. and making choices that have ramifications for the story of the show also be something that reflects or affects what the character is going through and brings them change. Mm -hmm. There is a particular episode which, number one, followed the best episode of the entire uh, show. I mean, it was insane. Every moment of it was pure perfection. But this other episode, essentially, the entirety of it was just a Sophie's Choice. This man, the writer... Who, uh, we should find his name, but the man's crazy. Set up all this to lead to a point where it says Soviet choice. The characters are presented with these two impossible choices. It is a binary, a binary. There's no other way out. They have to make the choice. And it's going to cause big consequences for the rest of the story. For their effort against the Titans. And yet they have to make this horrible choice. And we get to see each of these characters battle it out, sometimes through the words, other times actually duking it out, trying to get their opinions across, their perspectives across. And we are in the same anguish that they're in because we're weighing the same sorts of the odds, the different consequences and the benefits. We're in the same boat as them. And I've never seen... Something like that. So, such a perfect setup to where we know whichever choice we make is going to suck. It's also going to change the rest of the show. And we don't know what the choice is going to be because there's both, I mean, there's compelling cases on both sides. Characters are fighting based off their entire personalities and the culmination of all the crap they've gone through, all the warfare, all the grief all the loss they've had and it's all coming to a head and we have to sit there and go through the same turmoil in ourselves. What would we choose if we were in that situation? It's just so beautiful. And I really want you to watch that
1: episode because I really want to know what you would choose. Uh, I will watch it. I promise. I promise. I know Fernando's going to watch it for sure. Oh yeah.
0: And then one, one final thing, which again, I mean, you, I think you both are already sold. I mean, yeah, it's, incredible a must watch but it also i mean the complexity of it is amazing i mean we start out with the clear fight against the titans and all that but as it goes on and you learn more and you see more of what this world is it just becomes this whole other commentary on the cycles of vengeance and grievances and hatred and violence Mm -hmm. things like i mean to quote from the book red rising which you also need to watch or read dylan um blood begets blood begets blood begets blood it's this cycle and this does a perfect job of showcasing how that happens between not just individuals but between groups of people between entire societies i mean it it's like a perfect rendition of the Hatfield-McCoy thing. Mm-hmm. Those two families. Or, for a more relevant thing, I mean, like the Israel-Palestine conflict. And we have to see that play out. And it's so fantastic. It's a
1: must-watch. It is added to my list of animes that I needed to watch. I will... It's what? They're on season 4? Part 2 is going to come out this winter? Yes which we right. believe
0: winter 2022 means starting december 2021 and then the rest of the episodes will like play out through early 2022. And on
1: average how many episodes are there per season?
0: There's it's it varies. <laughs> the first one is like 25, the second one's 12, the third one's like 22 and then the okay. fourth one currently is 16 and then we'll see
1: however many more they make. All right, well, my plan is I'm going to finish My Hero Academia and then watch the new season of My Hero as it comes out. And then after that's finished, I will catch up with Attack on Titan and be ready for when Season 4 Part 2 comes out this winter. Do you want to explain the plot? Uh, Well, I can explain. The beginning of the plot. Yeah. <laughs> Since I haven't gotten there that much. So basically, my hero starts out, you're following this character, Midoriya, who, uh, he he's growing up in, the, in a world, you know, I'm going to start over. Okay. Okay. In a world. <laughs> okay, so basically the world, it's, it's built as being a place of new superheroes where 80% of the population has some kind of power, which they call a quirk. And some people are actually born quirkless. So our main character Midoriya, he's born quirkless, and he's all he's ever wanted was to be a superhero. And he grew up wanting to be a superhero and following his favorite superhero, All Might, who's like the top superhero. And he just wants to be just like All Might. And then he finds out he doesn't have a quirk, and it's just so disappointing. But he like he's like still driven to get into the top hero academy in Japan. And so, like the whole first episode is him like studying and trying to like get into this school because he really wants to be in it. And uh, the school bully at his high school or middle school is Bakugo, who grew up with Midoriya, and he's like mad that Midoriya wants to apply to the top hero school because Midoriya or Bakugo wants to be the only student from their middle school to get into the into the school, and so he's bullying him. And Midoriya is just sad and lonely. And he just wants to be a hero. And then, basically, All Might saves him from a, a, a super villain. And uh, Midoriya asks All Might if someone that doesn't have a quirk can still be a hero. And All Might says, "You know, no. You know, you have to have a quirk to be a hero, and it has to be a pretty darn good one to be a good superhero." And then the villain that originally attacked Midoriya attacks a downtown center and then takes Bakugo hostage. And uh, All Might, you find out that All Might can like inflate, like he inflates this big, bulky guy. That's like him using his powers. He's a super strong guy. And so when he's not in that state, he's like deflated to this little skinny guy. And he can only hold his strong state for like three hours at a time. And he, he's watching this whole hostage situation go down. And he can't inflate enough because he's not strong enough to do it for any longer. He'd done it too much for that day. And Midoriya is watching. And without any quirks, Midoriya runs in to save Bakugo. And that like inspires All Might to like push through the pain. And like he grows to his big size. And he saves the day as All Might. And then he confronts Midoriya. This is me just explaining the entire plot of the first episode pretty much. Because this is like the setup to everything. Midoriya uh, is confronted by All Might who says, I lied. You've inspired me. People without quirks can't have superpowers and I'm going to show you how. I'm going to give you my power. Which is like something that nobody's ever heard of. Nobody can give powers and All Might decides that Midoriya is going to receive his powers and become the next sort of All Might kind of superhero. And that pretty much sets the plot up for the whole Shows that Midoriya is given this strong power and it's like he is trying to learn how to use it and how to become a better superhero along with a bunch of other students who have cool quirks and they're just trying to become the best heroes they can and there's all kinds of super villains that they're fighting and so there's like high school stuff tournaments super villains they're all just kind of fighting and everyone's got cool quirks and they're all good characters and everyone's got their own separate storylines it's just a really good show anything to add Fernando. No, yeah, you basically, basically cl- covered the first episode.
2: Yeah, um, but but yeah, that's a good way to set up. It's just um, about the main character Midoriya and his his goal of being the number one hero, um, and you know his his trials and tribulations of of getting there. Um, being someone who was born without a quirk, but then you know being given a quirk, um, and uh, like you mentioned there's a, a bunch of characters there's a lot of characters and like everyone that De- uh Midoriya or deku is like his nickname um he he is definitely the focal point but the one a cool thing about anime that i love is how they find ways to really give everyone like their own unique personalities and you really mm-hmm. know who all the characters are um they're all very different um and in terms of this one and in, in terms of my hero um you it's definitely easy to have like favorites and like people you kind of don't like um but a lot of times animes do that like they purposely make characters that you're not supposed to like or find annoying um which is pretty funny and the majority of it just centers around like you know be like teamwork heroism um what it means to be a hero in someone's eyes um and i think it, it really d- displays that pretty well with the main character and
1: all the auxiliary characters as well yeah deku is definitely going through midoriya he's definitely going through the process of trying to become a hero and learning how to handle his quirk because most people they get their quirk when they're in elementary school and that gives them time to learn how to use it and he's given his quirk uh way too old and so he's still like a baby trying to learn how to use this quirk Mm -hmm. and so a lot of the show at least up until this point, it's still just him trying to grapple with the extreme power he has now, yep. which he just can't handle. And it's really cool seeing him grapple with like this power that he has trouble controlling and his desire to be a hero and to protect the people around him, even though he can't control his quirk yet, at least so far. And he's surrounded by all these people who he knows he's technically more powerful than, but he doesn't have the skills to be more powerful than them. and mm-hmm. They're all so skillful with their quirk already because this is like you know the best of the best schoolers and they're all so powerful and strong and they can fight each other and they fight super villains and midori is just trying to keep up and try to show that he has what it takes to be the best and there's just a lot of competition going on between the superheroes because everybody wants to be this top dog even though at the end of the day it's just about saving people and a lot of people, they just want to, like, have that number one spot just to say that they're number one. And you can tell Midoriya and maybe a couple other characters, they just want to be the best heroes they can be. And that's why Midoriya wants to be number one is so that he can show that he is the best hero because he wants to just save people and just be, you know, the hero. That's just what he wants. And it's just so amazing.
0: y'all got any favorite episodes
2: for me my favorite episode is uh well i have a, a few some of them come later in the series so i don't really want to talk about them specifically mm-hmm. um because you know i don't want to spoil it for both of you um but from i love the ending of season one it kind of like wraps up um yeah a ra- like i think season one of my hero is like so good for an opening season you know it's only 13 episodes i think um yeah really short Yeah, but they do a lot to, like, set up the world, set up Mm kind of, like, what, you know, you're getting in for and, like, the power levels of specific characters and villains. Um, And it ends with, like, a lot, with, like, all the students in the class realizing what, like, the real world, like, what the real world for heroes is actually like, fighting against, like, actual, like, powerful villains, Um, uh, which is, you know, really cool. And there's, the fight scenes are so so good and the music anime like like soundtracks uh i think are underrated as someone who as like someone who watches a lot of movies and it's like oh yeah like movie soundtracks and composers like are awesome you know but i feel like there's i mean people who watch anime know how how awesome anime music is but the the score of my hero is incredible so i just wanted to also talk about that
1: how about yeah. you? Dylan? Yeah, the score is incredible. Like I always like, apart from the score, the songs too. Because I always hear you listening to anime oh, yeah. openings, <laughs> just just walking around <laughs> and stuff. And uh, my favorite, one of my favorite episodes is there's a character named Todoroki, and he's basic. His quirk is basically half hot, half cold. So half of his body, he can control like heat and regulate heat, and like project fire and stuff. And the other half of his body can regulate cold and can like shoot ice and stuff and he's that's just a super cool quirk already and you they do these things in my hero where they give origin stories to characters just sporadically and so Todoroki's origins i don't want to spoil anything but it's just so interesting how we're watching this show and it's just a normal sort of high school anime kind of thing and they're just kind of going through the things as high schoolers and taking classes and stuff and uh tournament competitions and all that stuff that you would get in in a high school anime and then just out of nowhere, it's just an origin story for just one of the characters who you have not seen much of up until this point. Like, like there has not been an in-depth focus in this character. And then they just give you his entire backstory, background story in one episode. And it's just so cool. And then they mix that with, like, what he's doing currently and cool battles and stuff. And yeah, like Fernando said, all the all the battles they do is super cool. All the quirks that the characters have are super cool. Like, they're, they're strange superpowers. Like, whenever I watch new superhero content like uh the new show invincible that just went out or like the boys it's always repeating the same powers over and over again and the powers in my hero are also unique like there's one guy his name is aizawa he can like just by looking at you can take away your quirk which i think is cool there's um and some of them are like very dumb also though like like there's definitely
2: a power level where some quirks are like super powerful and then other ones like they even mentioned in the show like some people's quirks like aren't anything special like deku uh, midoriya's mom she can just like like make things levitate to her but like not to like a crazy she can only like lift like small objects like pens Um, and stuff yeah or there's a character that shoots a laser from their like belly button and like that's that's it so and a then if he shoots if
1: you shoots it too much, he gets a stomach ache. Oh, yeah. it's so <laughs> funny. but there's uh, also really cool like there's just unique superpowers like there's um uh, what's his name the one who has dark shadow oh um tokiyama yeah yeah, oh. yeah tokiyama. his power he can like he has a bird head first off, like yeah. which is already cool. His head is just the head of a bird for no reason. Whipper it's like a raven or something like a crow I see, I see. it's just something black just jet black and like it's just a bird general bird and you can project like the shadow monster from like his body or something that mm-hmm. is also the shape of a bird and when it's it's night or when it's dark it can attack and when it's light it can't attack like that's his weakness is that when it's yeah. like super bright it, it gets weaker but that's just super cool already honestly a good way to think about it like the best thing to
2: compare it to like live action wise in Western media it would be, like, Sky High. Like, in Sky yeah. High, some of the powers <laughs> are, like, so dumb. Um, and then some of the powers, you know, are, are a lot stronger. And some people could be heroes, and some are, like, relegated to sidekicks.
1: It's kind of like that in terms of, like, the the different quirks. <laughs> I love the guy who could just turn into a puddle. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love Sky High so much. And,
2: you know, a lot of people, when they, like, first get into anime, a lot of people recommend My Hero Um, As like a really good starter anime. And I generally agree. Um, And I think it really blew up in Western culture because it came out, you know, in the like early and mid like 2010s. And like, that's when like superhero stuff was like blowing Mm. up. And you know, this movie or this series is all about superheroes, but kind of in the reverse where like having a superpower is the norm in this world. Um, And a lot of it is very like Westernized, you know, like it's, there's a lot of comic book references. Um, there's a lot of like some of the episodes like you mentioned are like origin story for like a specific character. And even the like the main hero, All Might is like Americanized, like like all his moves are like towns or like cities in America. So he has like he has like Detroit smash, Texas smash. And uh, yeah,
1: so it's very accessible for Western audiences. Yeah, it's just such a, it's it's a good starter, at least it was for me, because this is really kind of my starter into anime, because it is superhero stuff, which is such an easy thing for us to comprehend already, as westerners, there's so much superhero content in what we consume anyway, and it also adheres to a lot of tropes of anime, so it, like, warms us into the idea of uh, characters having internal monologues, a lot of recaps, a lot of flashbacks, uh... A lot of reaction shots. The way that it's animated is very uh, traditional. It's just a good way to like get into that kind of mindset of how anime is told story wise, while also maintaining that sort of superhero otherworldliness of what we're used to in sort of our our Western entertainment. I think if you're if you're listening to this and you're not that big a fan of anime or you haven't tried to watch anime, I would give My Hero a Shot as a good way to sort of introduce yourself in anime it's just an, uh, a really good story it's really lighthearted for the most part uh good character work and it's just a good way to introduce yourself into the style of anime do you have any fernando do you have any like drawbacks or low points of the show or any critiques
2: um I feel like the main drawbacks honestly happen later in the series, like season four. Mm-hmm. Some people uh, think it's probably like the weakest season, season four. Um, right now you're on the best season, which is season two. So I don't know if you have any drawbacks from season two. Um, My but, expectations
1: have been pretty well met.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's a pretty solid anime. Like for me, there's not much that I think it's are like negatives towards the show. I know a lot of people don't really love uh Midoriya as like some people think he's like a boring main character but Mm -hmm. I really like him um so so yeah I think depending on who you ask they'll have different answers but for me personally I I think it's pretty solid
1: I like Midoriya just because I like seeing the way his character is developing so far but Mm -hmm. he he does cry a lot like (laughs) a lot of his early character work is just him crying so much (laughs) which is, is, can be kind of obnoxious. I think all the characters are well-written. I think the arcs are well-written, the stories well-written. So I don't have a lot of complaints there. I guess my major complaint, which I guess would be a complaint in the anime style in general, is just the amount of recaps that they do mm-hmm. and just showing the same footage over and over again. I, I guess that's kind of a drawback, but that's never going to change. So I have just accepted it and moved on.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Alright, moving on to our movie of the week.
1: It is none other than Akira from now, 1988. This is one of the first big anime movies to make it to Western audiences. Uh, Fernando and I saw it recently in theaters. It was. It's one of two movies I saw in theaters during quarantine. <laughs> it was We watched Akira. It was what, remastered or just re-edited? Yeah, I think like, it was a uh, 4K re-release. 4K re-release, yeah. yeah. And it is so good. It was directed by Katsuhiro Otomo, who also wrote the manga that's based on and he wrote the script. And it is just not what I thought it would be yeah. at all. Like when I read the story and when I saw some of the screenshots of it, I thought it would just be like a movie about bikers in like futuristic Japan. Yeah. And that is That is the first ten minutes, and the first ten minutes alone, it just becomes something completely different very quickly. And it is such a greatly animated movie. There's so many elements to every single shot. It's what it's hand. It was hand animated at the time, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's so brilliant. The colors are so vibrant. The animation is done so flawlessly, and every single shot is so grand and so large. It's just. It truly is like an epic in the way it's told. So intense, especially seeing it in theaters and the end is just bizarre beyond bizarre, but I loved it.
2: Yeah, same. Uh, Watching it for the first time in in the theater was definitely an experience. Um, And same thing with you. I wasn't really sure what I was going to get into with it. Um, I just heard, you know, it's one of the iconic anime movies Um, and it did not disappoint me. I, I love the storytelling the animation is beautiful like you said um and it's very like i've come to notice with a, a lot of anime actually it's really dark and like you know mm. definitely meant for mature audiences and the themes it hits upon um are more serious um
1: and definitely make you think so it's it's not like a kid's movie yeah <laughs> no. all. akira is definitely meant for adults so if you're an adult out there who wants to watch an old anime movie that that's Pretty fucking amazing. Go check out Akira. Ryan, I recommend you watch Akira if you can find it anywhere. It is brilliant.
0: Yeah, I've definitely been
1: wanting to
0: watch it for a long time. I mean, that's certainly one of those anime movies that you hear about all the time. And it seems like for a good reason, since y'all loved it. So I definitely want to get my hands on it. It is on
1: Hulu. It is?
0: Yeah. Oh, pretty sure. Look at that.
1: Well, there you go. Ryan, you should check it out. It'll be on my watch list by the end of tonight. Awesome. All right, well, that's all the time we have. I'd like to take this time to thank Fernando for taking the time out of his day to come and talk with, with us about anime. Thank you for yeah. yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. It was my pleasure and a lot of fun. If you'd like to give your thoughts on the show or make a suggestion for the movie of the week, you can email us at theboxoffershow@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Our main title theme
0: for the show is Sundown by Joseph
1: McDade. And be sure to tune in next week. We're going to be talking about Godzilla versus Kong and the MonsterVerse in total. Not just the recent one, but hopefully I'll be able to crank in a couple of the older ones too so we can talk about that as well. Have a great rest of your day.